I have just launched a mastermind called The Circle of Influence, where I'll be taking you under my wing to show you how to build a platform online that generates an income for you so you can have more freedom in your life. I'm also gonna show you how to become a powerful influencer online so that you can score interviews and so you can get exposure on major publications and platforms. And I'm gonna even show you how to build these platforms yourself, such as a website, a podcast, a YouTube channel, and a social media following so that you can get your message out there to millions. I'm also going to show you how to network with other incredible leaders online so that you can interview them and so that you can collaborate with them and really show you how to refine your story so you can share it in an unforgettable way to score more interviews, to score book deals, and to gain more speaking opportunities so that you can become a powerhouse leader. Now, if this speaks to you, make sure you head over to IamJoelBrown.com slash apply and get in before I close my doors on this live interactive exclusive opportunity where I'm going to go deep with you and with the community of Circle of Influence Game Changers. Don't miss this. Now let's get into this interview. Okay, okay, okay. Let's do this. I'm excited. Cheryl Muir is in the building. This is Joel Brown from the Addicted to Success podcast. Wow, Cheryl, we are in interesting times. I know that you are a dating and relationship expert. Well, there's my alarm for you. <laughs> you, you are a dating and relationship expert. And I know that you specialize in helping busy professional women break free from dating drama fast, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I know that the time that we're in right now, dating situations have changed, relationship situations have changed. And I'm so excited to just go into this conversation with you around how do we navigate this now? Because there's some fears coming up for some people and there's also some people that are maybe even happy and excited that they're away from who they thought they might have wanted to be with and now they don't have to deal with it or face it, but at some point they will. So uh, let's, let's dive in first to why relationships? Why are you excited to, to go into this and support, especially women in this space? Yeah, you know, this has been the biggest work of my life. This is not a subject I kind of, you know, stuck a pin in a map and said, oh, I know I'll do relationships. Like, this has been the most deep and honestly painful work of my life. Throughout my 20s, I was just completely consumed by somebody I was dating, by somebody who perhaps didn't want me. I kept choosing the same people over and over again. And ultimately, what I realized is like, I'm the common denominator here. Like, I actually have to look at why it is that I'm choosing these people. And really that's what my whole kind of model and how I work with people is based off. So my whole kind of trifecta is what is the relationship pattern? Like what is it you're actually doing in love and dating? Who is it you're repeatedly dating? What's the pattern? Where did the pattern come from? So spoiler, childhood, right? It's always, always childhood. We don't want to look at it, but it's always there. And then we the third thing is there. knowing, do we have to, it's like, can't I just like pull a card to see if he's the one? No, we have to talk about your relationship with your father. <laughs> I don't fucking want to talk about that. Well, we're going to have to go there. You know, it's, it's painful. It's painful. And um, then once we know that, it's like, okay, well, how do we actually heal it? How do we go to that inner child, you know, uh, and really soothe her and talk to her and, and heal that? And then once we heal it, all the relationship patterns actually fall away. 
And often we're coming at this from completely the wrong angle. We're going, how do I get him to text me back? How do I, how do I, you know, bend myself and twist myself and make myself perfect, which also is a psychological driver, right? I have to be perfect. It's a, a belief a lot of people have. I have to be perfect to find love. How do I do all these things and have all this strategy to get and keep and claim the right person when actually it comes from within? And then once we're in a place where we're really connected to our heart, we've healed all those patterns and all those wounds, what we find is that a better caliber of people naturally come to us, people who are emotionally healthy, who are present with us, who see our heart, who are connected to their heart. And it's nothing to do with the strategy of dating at all. It's to do with the inner work and our connection to ourselves. So that was a really long answer to your question. Um, no, it's such a powerful yeah. answer. I, I love it. And just like every line that you were spitting out then, I was just like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I, I agree. And, and the reason why I'm also in, in so much uh, agreement with you is because it's something that I personally experienced as well. We're just breaking yeah. patterns. Uh, I had an incredible relationship coach for a year straight. Uh, this is probably about a year to a year and a half back. And, you know, I focus so much on business. I focus so much mm. on my friends, my lifestyle. And then I was just doubling down hardcore on self-development and telling myself I'm already doing the work, but mm. self-development work, even in itself is different to relationship work, yeah, you know? And, and I realized I was attracting women that were dismissive avoidant and I was anxious attachment, you know, and, and getting yeah. triggered and they were getting triggered. And, and then I just wanted it to work so bad. And so for me, it's just coming into that healing. I remember having this powerful conversation with my father when I realized that I had these, these attachment um, codependencies, right? Mm. And it, it absolutely transformed our relationship. My dad started coming to my self-development events. Um, he, he looked at me in a different way. I looked at him in a different way. We just got real with each other. And then I realized mm. that I stopped uh, looking at uh, women uh, in a way that where I was like, wow, that's a relationship I, I, I need. And I looked at like, what do I actually want in my life now? And not mm. being attracted to the, the patterns, like you go against the programs in this process, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love everything that you said there. I, I love, first of all, that you had that conversation with your father and I really want to just honor that because that's not easy to do. Right. Oh, and and that's, yeah, yeah. He, he was like kind of stoic at the start. He's like, when I brought the conversation to him, he goes, Joe, I think you're just overanalyzing things. I was like, dad, please just listen. <laughs> please hear me. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the wound too, isn't it? Of not being heard and healing that is as the adult saying, Let, let's just have a conversation about this. And I've been through a similar process with my parents too. And it's, it, it feels quite terrifying because we go into the child, right? There's, um, a model in counseling called transactional analysis and it's complicated but basically we're meant to be in adults and we can go into critical parent or then we can drop down into the adaptive child and so if we've got childhood trauma which spoiler we all do on some level right there's nobody who doesn't have some level of trauma even if it's just oh my dad forgot to pick me up from school that time and I was left there waiting in the rain and that as a child traumatized me it might not sound big but in our childlike um, experience of the world, we feel unsafe, right? So from that, that place of going into the adaptive child, uh, when we're talking to our parent, we can quite easily go back into that and feel 
feel quite childlike and quite afraid when we have that those conversations so our inner child starts doing like somersaults and goes no 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 i don't want to i don't want to have this conversation it's not safe right um so the fact that you you know stayed in that that adult place and said no no just hear me and let's let's talk about this um that takes a lot of courage so you know props to you yeah thank you so much i i think the thing too because i've talked with a lot of other people that have had similar experiences I think you get to a point where you realize that it's not working. The way that you have been going just doesn't work. And there's something that has to be done. And part of this process is that you've got to own your wounds and be responsible for healing them yourself. And Mm. I think we so often are in blame, right? It's like, Oh, well that person triggered me or that person said this, or, you know, Mm. that person is an asshole or whatever it may be. It's like, well, you're, you're deciding to stay in that relationship. Exactly. And or you're deciding to not go and sit down and communicate it and get real with yourself. And mm. yeah, it's such a, it's funny because a lot of people are like immature and, and, and wanting relationships and even they're having children when they're not really at the, the maturity level of doing it. And it's just really this thing, even with success, I had this whole journey with success, which I can relate as kind of similar to relationships is that when I first started making money and building business, I just wanted the material. I wanted all the things that mm. I f- thought were going to fill me up. It's the same thing with relationships. Like I wanted the, like, yeah, the, the sexy woman or, you know, like <laughs> the idea that sounded cool and all this stuff. But then I realized like, wow, that's not it. You know, there's a level of mature yeah. success is what you realize it's about contributing, right. And being of service and impact. And then the other side with relationships and mature success is owning your wounds right? It's yeah. the communication. It's putting in the effort together. It's, uh, it's usually the thing that looks unsexy or uncool to the, to the yeah. eye at the start. And then it ends up being something that's actually uh, promising something much deeper than just the surface. Yeah. I'm really intuitively feeling um, the need to talk about the inner teenager. And I don't know if I'm picking up um, something of yours there or mine or I'm projecting or what's happening, but either way, um, we talk about the inner child, but actually the inner teenager is really interesting too. So what I picked up on was you were talking about, Oh, I need the, you know, the, the, the cool, sexy girl. And like, if we're someone who like, for example, when I was at high school, I was not the cool girl, right? I was the girl like in glasses, like in the library with the books, right? So for me, I certainly had that pattern as well. If I want someone who looks really good, because that kind of soothes that in a teenager of like, now I'm cool, you know? So it's, oh. it's worth, yeah, it's, we don't really talk about the inner teenager, but that time between like early teens and like mid teens, like 12 to 16, where we're at high school. And for a lot of us, it was horrible, right? For me, it was not a good experience. And that's the time when we see people kind of partnering up and we're starting to enter this, this almost um, pre-adult stage of relationship. So how we are at that time actually really, really shapes um, our adult relationships too. So it's worth looking at what happened during that time how was I during that time? What was my pattern during that time? For example, for me, I was like the one that was like never chosen, right? And so it perpetuated this, this pattern for me of choosing men who were not choosing me and doing this whole chasing thing. And I had to really look at where that came from. And it wasn't just the teenage years. There was stuff when I was about five or six years old as well. And I had to look at that pattern and really own it. So yeah, I'd really encourage people to go back to that teenage stage, which is so awkward for so many of us. But it's worth looking at that and saying, well, who was I then? And is he or she, is she running the show? What did she want at that time? And is she actually choosing for me rather than my healed adult self? 
Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. So let's say someone's listening to this right now and they are in that kind of like that anxious state or that needy state, right? They may mm. have even been labeled by their partner as needy or suffocating or insecure and they know it, you know, yeah. when, when you're in this space, you know, it. it's just like these Im- impulses and reactions that's happening within mm. you. You can't, it feels like you can't stop it. You can, but yeah. it's going to be yeah. reprogramming. What would you say uh, if someone's listening to this right now and they feel like they're that person that's chasing, chasing, what are the next mm. steps? What can they do to really reprogram that, you know, that program that, that's going so much so that, that person thinks they need to do that? Mm. It's about breaking the cycle. So you said something really beautiful there about you feel like you can't stop. So I kind of describe it as like almost like a runaway train on the tracks, right? Once it's once the patterns kind of the program's running and the patterns starting, it's running and running and running, and you're like, oh holy shit, I'm in this place where now I'm chasing and clinging and getting needy and and I can't stop it. So it's about actually pausing. And people, when they when we have these patterns, when relationships are our work, it's about taking a bit of a dating detox sometimes. And maybe what's happening in the world right now is a perfect chance for many of us to do this, to not date and to actually find that feeling of safety within ourselves, right? Because what we're often doing when we try and chase a partner is we're trying to get them to meet some kind of need or validate something in us that really is our responsibility to do, you know? And I know that sounds really, sounds really hard. And when I faced this myself, it felt tough as well. Um, you know, when I get the guy, I'll finally be worthy. I'll finally be good enough. I'll finally feel like I'm beautiful and I'm wanted and I'm desired. And actually, I need to feel that way myself about myself. And now that I've done that work, and by the way, I'm by no means perfect in any of this. Like I teach on relationships because it's my work too. And so I'm not the person with perfect relationships in every area of my life because it's hard and it will always be my work for the rest of my life. Um, and now that I've done the bulk of the healing around the dating drama, now that I am dating again, and I'm not in a relationship right now, but I am dating and enjoying that. And dating during quarantine is, is interesting. Um, <laughs> it's a different vibe. You know, I had a FaceTime date the other day and I'm like this, okay, I didn't have to leave my house, which was, you know, as an introvert, it was a bonus. Um, but yeah, we, it's a very, very different experience for me now dating after healing the bulk of this stuff. It's like they can call back or not call back. We can have a second date or not have a second date. And either way, I'm okay in myself. It's not going to change how I feel about myself. I might feel a little bit sad or disappointed or whatever the case may be, you know. But it's not going to consume me. It's not going to actually change the way I feel about myself. And so with those patterns of being, you know, kind of needy and clingy and chasing what I'd invite people to do is look at, well, what need am am I not meeting within myself? What is that I'm really trying to do here? What need am I trying to get met? And once we can figure that out, we can ask ourselves, well, how can I meet that need within myself? So that's what I'd recommend people do. Yes. Yes, Cheryl, this is amazing. So if you're listening right now, write it down. Don't just hear Mm -hmm. this and say, oh yeah, that sounds cool. Like pause (laughs) this podcast, start writing this out and get really clear. Mm -hmm. When you get it out of your head and you put it in front of you, you look at it differently, right, Cheryl? You process it differently because it's out of your head now and you're looking at it for what it is and go, okay, cool. Here's the work I get to do, right? And Mm -hmm. what can I create that's different now? What decisions can I make? What conversations must I have? What healings must be in place? I I know a really big thing that has helped a lot uh, for a lot of my students is this whole forgiveness process. Yeah. But 
unattached forgiveness, not expecting that person to say, oh yeah, like I get it. Fair enough. Yes. I'm sorry too. Cause that's not always the case. Mm. Right. But what's your yeah. advice around this? Having to forgive people that have, uh, you know, been a part of a traumatic experience with you. Or forgiving people that are not sorry. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I have an interesting take on forgiveness. I think in personal development, spirituality, we kind of, we jump straight to forgiveness, you know, and we, we have to be careful with that because if it's something that's happened that's really traumatic, there, there are layers to it and there are emotions underneath it. So if, if we're trying to forgive, but we're actually still really, really mad as hell about what happens, we need to release that anger. Anger is the top level emotion. So there's lots and lots of things underneath it. So for example, when I healed um, a lot of sexual trauma from my teenage years, and I did that in my mid twenties, I wasn't even aware that it happened. That's what trauma does. It locks away and we don't even know. And that's how we survive. And I did this um, trauma anger release um, exercise with a counselor I had at the time who was very progressive. And um, I, I will talk about how this links to forgiveness. But she said to me, you know, I, I think you might have some issues with anger. And I'm like, oh, no, anger's the emotion I've got completely on lock. Like, I never feel angry. Like, everything else, I'm, you know, I, sometimes I'm upset, I'm sad, but I'm never angry. No, I'm good with anger. She's like, that's the problem. Like, you're not. <laughs> I was like, you're suppressing it, right? Yeah, you're like, you're like bottling it up. It's like shaking a bottle and like with, with like bicarb soda in it and like expecting it not to fizz. It's Explode exactly like it. that. But it was so hilarious though. Cause I genuinely thought in that moment, I got like a 10 out of 10 on the test, you know, like, <laughs> oh, I never feel angry. She's like, that's, that's not good. So turns out she was right. And, um, what she did was really interesting. I don't think I've ever told this story publicly before, but it's, um, I think it's really helpful. We, we went into a room, uh, a big, big empty room and she moved all the chairs out of the way. And I had a rolled up yoga mat. Um, with uh, duct tape around it and she had a uh, um, boxing punching bag thing and basically she agreed to some trigger phrases um, to say to me um, that the person who was the perpetrator of what happened had said and it was intended to trigger this anger out of me and then obviously I was beating the the freaking boxing thing with the yoga mat and it was a whole thing I mean this went on for like two hours right and um yeah it was a little next level I was, the girl that didn't have any anger turned out had a lot and um <laughs> you know it was it was a really beautiful thing and so what I'd say about the forgiveness thing is you can't forgive until you've released that anger. And, and we often don't think we're feeling the anger, like just like I did. So you've got to go through some kind of anger release process. I went through that with a counselor. Um, so I'd recommend people seeking out that help if they need it. Um, you can also do it at the gym. I mean, not so much now because we're all on lockdown, but through physical activity, physical exercise, we can release that. Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend not even entertaining the idea of forgiveness until we've done some kind of anger release specific work. Um, so I know that wasn't really what you asked, but when it comes to forgiveness, we've got to go underneath it first. Um, to, well, no, actually that's not true. We need to get rid of the anger on top first. And then once that anger has gone, then we can actually look at it and say, actually, I feel really sad. I feel hurt. I feel betrayed. Um, you know, I feel upset about this. Um, but the anger is almost like this, um, this kind of film on the top of the surface and we can't really see what's underneath until we get rid of that. So yeah, that's my, that's my take yeah. on forgiveness is dealing with the anger. That makes so yeah. much sense. Yeah. And that's that like a somatic body work, right? Because yeah. our body is like a library 
and it stores yeah. everything emotionally and it, it doesn't go unless you go through a process where you're moving yeah. it and obviously it changes form but a lot of people just literally have so many low frequency energy holds in their body mm. and they're walking around li- like operating at 10 to 20 percent yeah it's insane i can say this because i know when i've worked through my wounds when i've worked through my hurts anger betrayal resentment all these things that are super low frequency shame guilt oh that's the that's the worst right shame and guilt yeah 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 when i worked through all that oh my gosh this i felt so liberated Mm. to a level where it it was touching everything in my business and my life everything started to expand after this have you experienced this yourself yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, I'm reminded of how I felt after that anger release exercise. Um, you know, not only could I not, I couldn't like lift up a mug of tea or open a door, like my back, my arms, everything. It was like the best workout. But in addition to that, I was, you know, everyone kept saying, you're glowing. What have you done? You look amazing. And I felt on top of the world because all this anger that I'd been carrying, I, I put it down. And it's like, we don't even know we're carrying all these emotions from childhood, from traumas, from things that happened. And yeah, it spills into every area of our life because that anger and that resentment, we can't just leave it at the door. It's, it's with us all the time. We carry it everywhere. So yeah, absolutely. Once we release that, it opens up. It's like I'm getting this visual of like opening up doors. It opens up doors to every different area of your life. Romantic love, yes, but business, friendships, relationship with your family, relationship with your neighbors, with your community, with your social media following, like it's all connected. It's not, it's not in isolation. Yes. If you're listening to this, it's so worth doing that work. It's going to open up so much in you. Uh, And reach out to Cheryl. You've got her on Instagram. Okay. Cheryl Muir. Make sure you check her out. She can uh, work through this with you. And, you know, Cheryl, I remember this was almost five years ago. I was married. A lot of people don't know this. You know, Mm, I've shared the story only a few times. I was married. Uh, I caught my wife at the time having an affair. And my whole identity was rocked. And I just remember feeling like I was just in pieces trying to pick up the shards of what I thought was my life or meant to be my life. And Mm. I remember I was living in Bali in Ubud, Indonesia. And I remember just riding my bike. I wanted to get away. Like I was on it and I was just racing Mm. my scooter. I've never shared this. Racing my scooter through the traffic. I had this adrenaline. I was weaving in and out. And I remember like just going and going and going. I turned down the street. I just kept going and going and going and going. And I got to this place where it was like right on this tiny little track through this village out in the rice fields. And I parked my bike up and I just got off the bike and I had everything in me that just wanted to scream. But there's like, yeah. a, ah, like I just, I'm not going to do it. Primal scream. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Primal scream, right? A primal scream. And I remember screaming so loud, just ah, throughout the, like the whole uh, rice field. And these workers are in the rice. So this guy like turns <laughs> around, he has his like hat on. He, he goes, Oh, he's speaking in Indonesian to me. And I'm like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. And then like three of them start going, ah, they're all screaming as well. And it was just like this hilarious moment that like almost disrupted that pattern of, of it all. I kind of like looked at it in a light. It's so funny. I've actually never shared this. I don't even think with anyone before. It's so funny. Aww. So I get it. And I did feel this, you know, this like progress within my body. It wasn't the full peace but i definitely felt progress so if you're listening primal scream primal scream into your pillow because i know you're on quarantine yeah. right now or lockdown it's yeah. primal scream into your pillow and get that out and move that energy 
Yeah. And I think as well, it's about not being afraid of our shadows, right? I've, I've, I don't know how into kind of astrological whatever you are, but um, I've got a lot of Scorpio in my natal chart, like a lot of Scorpio, which when I was younger was very dark. It was linked to like a lot of my depression, a lot of that. But now it's like I'm really connected to that shadowy side of me. And I'm connected to, you know, the anger and any resentment that might be lingering. And it's like, I want to look at it. I want to be with it and, and, and look at it and love it and scream it out and, and, and really um, not want to push it away. I think when it comes to personal development, we think it's all affirmations and meditations. And that's great. But we've got to look at that shadow and the fact that you, you know, really connected to what you were feeling in that moment, which, you know, I don't want to say it for you, but it, it must have been, you know, anger on some level, right? Um, yeah. The fact that you were able to get that out of your body and, and actually um, transmute that and alchemize that in that moment, there's actually really quite comical situation with these workers in the fields. That's, I think that's absolutely brilliant. And I'm glad you shared it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you. We got an exclusive and I got an exclusive on you beating up the yoga you man. Did. <laughs> you did, yeah. That was, it was a whole thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to that point, I think what was behind that hurt was, or sorry, behind that anger was hurt. I was hurting. Right. You know, yeah. I, as a matter of fact, when I went through that experience, I'm sure anybody that's experienced some form of betrayal to that degree you feel all sorts of things like you feel jealousy, anger, resentment, mm. hurt. Yeah. You Sad know, it. you feel scared. There's just so much that you go through. Uh, and, and honestly, Cheryl, it was such a blessing. I'm actually friends with her. Mm. I can talk with her, you know, that we've moved through so much forgiveness. Uh, and I learned to love someone from a distance and just say, you know right. what? I just, cause I love you doesn't mean I need to be with you, you know? And, right. and, and I think a lot of it is really going back to honoring yourself, you know, respecting yourself enough mm. to go, these are my standards. This is what I feel. This is what I need. Here are my boundaries and here are my non-negotiables. You know, mm. so I think a lot of people just are so scared to say what their feelings are or, or communicate their needs because they're scared that that person may reject them or abandon them. At the, at the core, we all want to be seen, heard and understood. And we also want to be accepted, right? And, mm. and if we're not, what does that mean? That means we're not good enough. Right. It's crazy. It all goes back to childhood. It Seriously. all does. It all does. I mean, they say, don't they, that 95% of our beliefs are formed before the age of six. So if that's the case in life and business, which it is, it's also the case in relationships. You know, I always use the um, analogy of um, raising like animals, like puppies or kittens. If you've ever had a puppy or a kitten and then there's an older cat or dog in the house, the, the puppy will then look to the older dog and be like, oh, how do we, how do, we do this? Which is why if you've got a very naughty dog, who does very naughty things, the puppy starts picking up on its bad habits. It's like, oh, this is what we do. We like steal the human's food. And it's like, no, this is not what we do, but you're learning the bad habits from your, your elder. We're not that different from the animals. We think we are, but we're really not. So when we're very, very little, even just 18 months old, we're looking around and subconsciously we're asking ourselves, well, how do I relate to other people? How, how, what are relationships really like? And we're looking around at mum and dad screaming at each other and we go, oh, relationships are painful okay and we just accept it just like we accept that there's a father christmas and a tooth fairy you know spoiler for everyone that's not a real thing um but we believe all these things right sorry maybe it may just spoiler for some people there just sure, but... my bubble what are you doing here show <laughs> whatever you want you know we all have our beliefs it's all good but you know we're very susceptible at that age aren't we and so we're looking at things and we're not thinking oh my mom and dad don't get along they have a toxic relationship 
but that doesn't mean I have to have that. We're not thinking that. We don't have that filter at that age, right? We're in that, that brainwave, that better state where we're, we're taking on everything. And that can be great for learning how to walk and talk and eat and read and write and all those things, but it's not really helpful for um, relationships and learning about relationships if we have parents who are dysfunctional, which most of us do, or if we have a parent who's not really present. And by present, I mean they're either not physically in the home or they are in the home and they don't want to be there. So we learn all these things and, and what it's about as adults is doing exactly what we're doing now and talking about it and trying to unpick it all and saying, well, actually, what do I believe and where did this come from? Because when we're kids, we just absorb it and go, oh, relationships are painful. We scream at each other. I don't receive love. Love isn't easy for me. It's hard. It's painful. And so we have to unpick all of this and go, actually, that's not true. That's just what I witnessed. And that's just one example. But there's a million different other examples of people that have healthy relationships. So a bit of a tangent there, but I think an important one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's this like ripple effect and, you know, my, my mom shared when I was uh, maybe like a teenager, she shared that she was in physical uh, abusive relationship before she met my father. And so some of the things that she learned in her response to that was then brought into possibly into relationship with my father. And then early ages when I was growing up, my mom had postnatal depression and my father didn't know how to handle that. And he was dismissive. Right. So then I was getting this anxious love from my mom, learning it, this patterning, this, this energy that was on me. And then my father was dismissive and I would, all I wanted was love from my father, you know? And then, so mm -hmm. I start looking for that later on in life in women that were dismissive. I was yeah. attracting it guys. Honestly, energy does not lie. Like we're picking up on it on an unconscious level and you may consciously want something. And sometimes you may think there's an attraction there, but it's not always a healthy attraction. It's, it's coming in for a reason. It's teaching you something and you just keep repeating it until you get the lesson. Mm. You, have, you have so much self-awareness around this. And I can tell you've done a lot of work specific to relationships because you wouldn't know it. that if you hadn't. It's Cheryl, so good. I love it. And I'll tell you why I love it because so much opened up when I, when I healed my wounds around it. And I'm like, yeah. like you, like, I'm like, Hey, what else is here? I want to go to it. Yeah. I want to, yeah. like just dive deep into the abyss of whatever it is and just go, how do I accept this so I can then work through it and then let it go? Because I want it to, mm -hmm. to leave the body. I want it to be a thing where I'm, I'm, I'm basically going next level so that I can experience what is it like to be in a place that would be literally the programs of a 33 year old man, which is what I am now and not a 33 year old man that's carrying, you know, a 12 year old's unconscious mm. response reactive programs in my head right like a lot of people yeah. may have like a 25 30 40 50 year old body but they're carrying around a child or teenager you know responsive mm -hmm. brain in their, in their head and some of them are running some of the most powerful countries in the world you know <laughs> yeah 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 Absolutely. it's yeah you're right it's um it's so important for us to look at this and otherwise we are just running out of those out of those programs. It was interesting you said there that, you know, the love that you didn't, you know, you felt you didn't receive from your father that you then looked for in, in romantic love. And that's so common. And I always try and make that link. And it's not always as, um, as, as cut and dried as, oh, I'm a woman who dates men. And so it's about the relationship with my father. It's not. It's not always specific to gender and sexuality. It's, it's which parent didn't you receive love from? And how are you trying to replicate that? And the reason why that's happening is because your inner child effectively is saying, 
if this person can love me, I'll be okay. Just like I didn't receive that love from the parent I wanted to receive love from. If this person loves me, then I break that cycle. And that's actually, it doesn't break the cycle. It keeps the cycle going. It gives the cycle more power. So it's about us looking at that and saying, actually, I deserve a lot more than that. And just like you said with, you know, your, your previous partner with your wife, um, you can still love someone. And you can also walk away and say, actually, I, I have these standards and I have these boundaries and, and I'm not going to remove my love from you. I'll always love you. And I can't actually have you in my life. And that's a very powerful thing. And people talk about love like it's this, you know, all, all encompassing, all consuming thing. But love is actually the love for the self as well, right? When we love ourselves and we say, I love myself, I love you, and this isn't healthy. And I've got to walk away. And it's, it's a very powerful thing to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember Will Smith recently sharing about his relationship with Jada Pinkett Smith. And mm -hmm. he says, I'm not expecting my wife to love me and to need me and to give me all these things. He said, I fill my own cup first. Mm. And I become this complete whole individual without, with my own happiness. And she has her own happiness. And then we bring both of us together to amplify it and experience more. And, and he said, anything other than that is selfishness. Yeah. And it was it, it like wrong. So true to me, so deep. And, and I think like, you know, when we were talking about, these re reprogrammings and healing the wounds. I want my children and not even want, I know my children because I'm willing to do the work will have such a fighting chance to have more of an experience of learning how to be a higher emotional, intelligent being because the example of the parents they have, have been able to work through that too, you know? And, and I think there's such a gift that you can give your children as well is a home where they get to learn how to rise above the wounds and the hurt and the anger and, and have a, a chance to really connect on a level that's pure and, and authentic as well. And I think we're in a world where people think they're getting it, but they're not, you know, it's, there's a lot of facade. Yeah. There's a lot of games played. There's a lot of uh, things portrayed in a certain way. There's a lot of fantasy thinking and ideals, but not truth. Yeah. I love that you spoke to children particularly because, you know, on, on a more of a soul level or more of a collective level, the reason why so many of us were assigned in this lifetime to do relationship work, like you, you and me, we both have found relationships to be a place of, on the one hand, a lot of pain and on the other hand, a lot of growth. And that's when you know it's your work. You know, we all have our businesses and we have everything else, but in terms of our soul work, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that is our profession and our soul lesson for me is relationships for sure. And so many of us have signed up to learn about relationships because our job is exactly what you just said so articulately there, which is our job is to raise children who are conscious, to raise children who don't have to be in therapy for 10 years before they can have healthy relationships. And the reason that is on a very, very practical level, particularly with what's happening right now, is that our children, they've got shit to do. They don't have time to be in therapy. In 20 years' time, how much plastic is going to be in the ocean if we don't get our shit together? They've got really important stuff to do. So it's really important that when we raise them, they can, at 15, start creating solutions. Like They're, they're, gonna, they're really going to have to hit the ground running. Um, and that there are you know, children now who are very ahead of that, like Greta Thunberg and, and other you know, young people who are here to help us. But our job is to raise those kids and to just try and not fuck them up and just have, you know, <laughs> try and have them as yeah. healthy and conscious as possible. Cause they've got shit to do. They've got work to do to undo the work that 
ultimately the generation before us and the generation before that have created with the environment, with our level of awareness. So it's our job to really create an environment where they can come here and just do the work that they're meant to do. And, and it's our job to kind of get out of the way. That's the way I see it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think to this conversation of basically coming from a place where you're not needing someone that you're fully okay mm. within yourself. Let's talk into this because I feel like there are a lot of people that's going through either lockdown right now, or quarantine. Mm. Um, you know, I said to you before, I was on a plane coming from London, Heathrow airport to Abu Dhabi and a guy next to me was kind of upset. He said, he's not going to see his girl for a couple of weeks and the longest uh, it could be even longer. And the longest that he hasn't seen her is a couple of weeks. And he's like, Oh no, I'm not going to have sex. And yeah. <laughs> then I was like, wow, this is actually going to really like interrupt, uh, disrupt people's yeah. relationships, people that don't want to be together or haven't pulled the pin or stood up for themselves and now spending time in each other's faces. And then uh, yeah. you've got the other that want to be together and now they're forced to be long distance. So how, how do we connect mm -hmm. with people deeply without being close to them in this time? Yeah, I, I actually talked to a journalist about this the other day. She um, lives in Northern Ireland and she's on lockdown with her family and her um, her boyfriend, who she's been with for a long time, is in London and he's a first responder. And she wrote this article and she was very kind to you know include my tips in it. But she was asking for herself the very same question you just asked, which is how do I stay connected to him? She's like, I know I've got Skype, I know I've got FaceTime and all of that, but how do I actually use it? Um, and what it's about really is it's about going deep. Like it's about cutting the small talk about, you know, the weather and everything else and all this other shit. It's also not about talking about necessarily the the virus and the lockdown unless someone wants to. It's about really getting deep and, and saying, how are you feeling? You know, how are you feeling? What's coming up for you? What do you need? How can I support you? Um, it's about knowing what someone's love language is and how can you meet that from a distance, Right. Some of those are going to be easier than others to meet at a distance. But even though with things like video, we don't have physical touch, we still have our words, we still have our heart, we still have our emotions. And it's about really cutting the crap and going in deep and asking those questions and, and, and being really honest with your partner and saying, well, you know, what do you miss about them? And be as specific as possible. And then start planning those post-lockdown dates. Um, you know, I've seen some really beautiful, like, lockdown love stories um, online where um, there was a guy who, I don't know if he should have been doing this, actually, but he got himself in one of those massive, like, plastic bubble things. And he went to, like, meet his girl and, like, see her. And they, like, pressed their hands together, like, through the bubble. It was, like, so beautiful. Um, so people are doing things like that and getting really creative or they... They're having like dinner together on different rooftops, things like that. So, you know, we can get creative um, during this time in terms of dating. But with the long term partner thing, it's about just really connecting to them, asking them, asking them questions about how they're feeling and, and getting real and getting honest. And then for the physical side, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of people getting really creative over the phone and using their words. And, you know, there's <laughs> going to be a lot of people that are away from their partner physically. So there's going to be some... Um, how will I say this politely? Some very creative phone conversations. <laughs> some people are going to have to get good at sexting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's going to be some very saucy phone calls, I'm sure. <laughs> that is so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I saw a meme the other day that said something like, let's be real. The only people that are really, or the, the only ones that are really winning in this whole situation are the dogs because now they get to spend more time with their owners. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs are very happy right now. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there, there you go. Physical touch. If you've got a friendly dog, 
and it comes up and wants to cuddle with you and get pats you and go. that you, you're getting your physical touch met to some degree. That, that um, is true. Yeah. yeah we all love our pets, right? I've, I've got, um, I've got uh, cats. Um, well, my family have got cats where I'm staying, um, but dogs, cats, whatever animal you've got, you know, cuddling them, that physical touch. Yeah. That's, that's really healing and really beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. So we spoke into people that were distant from each other and how to really, you know, work through that. The other side of the coin are, is people that are alone by themselves in this time. What do you think is mm. going to show up for a lot of these people and what can they do to really spend this time in the best way possible to use it as a growth opportunity? Mm. You know, I cast my mind back to when I used to live on my own. I lived on my own for about seven years when I lived in Canada and I loved it. And I couldn't help but think, God, if I was locked down right now on my own, what would that feel like? And I think being on your own and being alone are two different things. I think what it really forces us to do, again, like with connecting to the long-term partners, is that we're forced to connect in ways that we haven't connected before. So it looks like having more phone conversations with your friends and your family. I mean, I've never talked to my dad so much in my life. I'm calling him every day. That usually doesn't happen, right? So it brings us closer to people. Um, what I've seen, which is so beautiful, and this really only works in a city. It doesn't work where I am right now in a rural area. Um, but I'm seeing people like open up their balconies and open up their windows and starting these like group sing-alongs which sounds super cheesy but actually when everyone's like singing together and everyone's like applauding together applauding for like the national health service and everyone that's helping it's this sense of you might be in your apartment on your own but you're not alone there are people all around you so how can you connect with them without breaking that quarantine or lockdown and, and without getting physically close to people how can you connect with them in that way so it might look like putting notes through your neighbor's door and saying hey how can I support you? How can I help you? And feeling connected in that way without being physically close to them. And I think the, the third and final thing really is knowing that at this time, some things might come up to you around your relationship patterns, around your dating stuff, because the reality is we've all got a lot of time now to sit and to think. And our minds and our hearts might drift to that person that we've been in that kind of situationship with. And it might be really painful. And what I would say there is, it can be easy to feel guilty about that at this time because what's going on in the world is so big. But whatever we're feeling right now, whatever, whatever is coming up for us is perfect because we get to look at that and get to investigate why is that so painful? Why is it so painful when I'm on my own, right? Because we, we can love the time on our own. We can feel excited about it or we can feel like it, it means something about us. So what meaning am I assigning to this? Am I, am I making it mean I'm alone? I don't have anyone. I'm not worthy, blah, blah, blah. Or am I going to make it mean, you know what, this is a really beautiful time for me to go within and for me to look at this stuff that I've been avoiding because I've been using work as a coping mechanism because I've been, you know, really invested in my identity as this, you know, boss or this entrepreneur or whatever it might be. Now I get to sit with myself and be with my emotions, be with my feelings and really look at that. So yeah, it's not about being lonely. It's about being alone with yourself and getting the chance to look at all these things that we really don't want to look at because they're, they're tough, right? Yeah, for sure. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to get good with uh, connecting with each other just you know online or whatever it may be and getting to know each other for a longer period of time instead of rushing straight into a relationship if you're dating yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. So this exactly. whole pacing thing is important. We had a, 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 a incredible relationship expert and coach. Her name's Apollonia Ponti. She was on a couple episodes ago. She was talking about the importance of pacing 
And it's really interesting that we're in this oh, time and age. I think right now it's, it's, we're, we're being forced to do it. So it's good. It's going to reprogram quite a lot of people. It is, and it feels quite, um, how do I want to say this, old-fashioned, but not in an archaic sense. Like, it feels quite traditional, quite romantic. Um, it's really quite beautiful, you know, in an age where we can connect with people so instantly, the fact that we're having to wait to have kind of physical contact with people. And, and you know, I've got situations where I'm, I'm kind of dating and, and I can't meet them in person yet because we're in a different place, we're on lockdown. And it's like, that's actually quite a beautiful thing that we are having to, like you say, pace and get to know people and we're having to use our words a lot more where our actions can say so much when we're with someone what we're forced to do now is to say things we wouldn't say before and to be braver and be more courageous in how we're communicating and how we're connecting with people and that's scary but it's also really liberating and it's really needed yeah and i think the the con to it because that's obviously a pro which is great the con to it is uh if you're not good at poetry you're probably not going to come across as romantic. <laughs> can, you, can you tell I'm a writer? Like I've got a real writer's soul, you know? I'm like, this is so romantic. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I, think, I think the other con is that we have so many options at our fingertip too. So we could be on social connecting with someone or dating apps and just so many options. And yeah. look, guys, if you're listening to this, you know the importance of doing the work as well. So like a balance, you know, even though you're at home, now 24 7 basically doesn't mean you have to always be on the phone responding 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 you know because then that becomes like a pattern of neediness too make sure you have block time to do your work and create things and and get you know things in order or clean up the mess in the background and close loops and get emails done or whatever you've been putting off at the same time then spend time to connect and communicate with with others that you have interest in so yeah we live in interesting times and I'm so happy that we've had you here, Cheryl. You are amazing. Wow. We have just a plethora of wisdom that just poured out in this uh, podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. So Cheryl, how can we find you online? If there's anyone here that uh, is inspired to work with you, mm-hmm. uh, I know that you specifically work with women. So if there's any women here that want to go deeper into breaking their patterns, healing the wounds, really raising their frequency when it comes to relationships, how can they find you online? Yeah, they can find me on um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm on Instagram the most. My handles there are Cheryl J. Muir. And my website is CherylMuir.com. And if anyone wants to reach out and share, you know, what they took away from our conversation today, I'd love to hear that. So just DM me. And if you are interested in going deeper and working with me, then yeah, just shoot me a DM and we'll, uh, we'll talk about what you're struggling with and, and how I can support you with that. Love it. Love it. You're a champion. Thank you so much, Cheryl. We have one more question for you before we wrap this up. And the question All is... All right. Is this like a quick fire thing? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, it might feel like a quick fire. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, question, the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, oh what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Wow. That's an exceptional question. That is absolutely exceptional. So I'm just going to have to go with my gut here. And what I'm going to say is relationships are more important than ever. We need each other. We need to connect with each other. Our job here is to heal any dysfunctional ways that we've been relating to one another, to go within, to heal our inner child and to connect with one another more deeply because that is what the world needs right now.